And Good Friday is the day where the Lord's church memorializes the day that the Lord Jesus Christ hung from a splintery, rugged cross outside the gates of Jerusalem for one purpose, to pay the sin penalty for anyone who would believe on him. But prior to this day, here you go, brother. Prior to this day, Jesus gathered those closest to him. He gathered his disciples to spend some time with them. Some one-on-one time, if you will. In what may be the most famous space in all of history. The upper room. Jesus knew at that time that the religious leaders had already plotted his death. And today's verses, we see human beings at their worst and Jesus Christ at his very best. On page 877 in the Bibles in front of you, in Matthew chapter 26, Let's read about these events. Beginning in verse 14 of Matthew 26, Matthew writes, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you. And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he, Judas, sought opportunity to betray Jesus. Now on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? To a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And so the disciples did as Jesus directed them and they prepared the Passover. And when evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, assuredly, I say to you, One of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each one of them began to say, Lord, is it I? And he answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man 
by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he'd not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said, you have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, All of you, all of you, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And here we go. And so said all the disciples. To begin this message, I want to give you a little bit of background. We're going to begin with the setting for supper. You know, people can be awfully cruel, can't they? Have you ever been stabbed in the back by somebody you thought was a friend? You ever been done wrong by a family member? People can be pathetic. They can be so horrible. They can do horrible things to the ones they claim to love. Judas Iscariot witnessed Jesus making blind people see. Judas witnessed Jesus making lame people walk. Judas witnessed Jesus make dead people rise. Judas heard sermon after sermon, word after word, straight from the lips of the Son of God himself. And of all those things that he witnessed, while he was walking with Jesus for years, proved to be about as useful as watering a dead stick. For all these years, Judas had been by the Lord's side, but he proved that he was never on the Lord's side. 
And listen carefully, friends, because Judas's life, his life provides us with a serious warning. A serious warning to people who claim to follow Jesus, even profess the name of Jesus, even worship Jesus, but betray him by the way they live. In this very gospel that I shared with you, we read that Judas is the one who went to the chief priest. They didn't come knocking on his door. He went to them. And he offered to set Jesus up for him. The opportunity that those chief priests and scribes had been looking for for a long time was laid right in their lap. And Judas asked a question. He said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? That one little question Reveals a whole lot about the character of Judas. That one little question reveals the motivating principle behind Judas's life. It's a four-letter word. Self. <clears throat> Judas was more interested in what he could get out of life than what he was willing to put into Life. But I find that we ought not come down on Judas so hard without looking in the mirror first. For I find that Judas resembles many people in today's world and in today's church that have allowed the love of money to become the root of much evil in their lives. For Judas, he settled for 30 pieces of silver. But can I tell you today that many today sell Jesus out for a whole lot less. Many Christians Sell him out for a can of beer. Many Christians sell him out for a filthy movie. Many Christians will sell him out for a hurtful word, for a neglected need. Or for a questionable deed. Let's don't come down on the boy too hard. Without coming down on ourselves first. And so Judas provides this setting for supper. 
Then Matthew swiftly moves into the stages of supper. Now, the last supper that Jesus shared with his disciples um, had several stages, three in particular. One, there was the preparation of the meal. Two, there was the revelation of the betrayer. And three, there was the institution of the Lord's Supper. First of all, in the preparation of the meal, let's read about that in verse 17. Now, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover, the Passover meal? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. Y'all know what he's talking about there, right? It's just about time for me to go to the cross. My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And so the disciples did as Jesus directed them, and they prepared the Passover. During this feast of the Passover, this feast of unleavened bread that ended with the Passover day, that celebrated, by the way, the uh, death angel passing over God's people so that they could escape from Egypt, they could escape the bondage, during this feast, it's estimated that over a quarter of a million lambs, 250,000 lambs would be sacrificed. It's said that over 3 million visitors would come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. But Hebrews 10.4, the Bible says, it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So what is up with killing 250,000 lambs? Well, let me try to explain. The blood of all those Passover lambs provided a temporary covering, if you will. They temporarily covered the sins of God's people until such time as the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, would come himself, pour out his own blood to cover sins permanently, to cover sins forever. Does that make sense? It was kind of a temporary fix, if you will, until Jesus came. So you understand why it's so, so important to prepare for this meal. This was a big deal. This was a big occasion. But then at dinner, we see the revelation of the betrayer. Uh, look in verse 20. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said to them, Assuredly, I say to, the, say to you, one of you will be. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each one of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? Is it I? And he answered and he said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it's written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he'd not been born. 
Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, you have said it. So this meal that Jesus was sharing with his disciples in the upper room was the Passover meal. The meal that took place at the conclusion of this week-long celebration of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And everybody was nestled close to the table. Brother Kevin, they were enjoying supper. And Jesus drops a bombshell. He said, assuredly, I say to you, one of you boys is going to betray me. And verse 22 says, all, say all. All of them were exceedingly sorrowful. Now, all of them didn't sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. What is the deal? Why do you think that all of the disciples reacted this way? Do you think that maybe it's because at the root of every human being lies the possibility of betrayal? Could it be that we're all capable of betraying Jesus? Verse 41, or chapter 41 of the Psalms in verse 9 foretold what would happen that night. And the Psalm 41.9 says, Even my own familiar friend whom I trusted, whom ate my bread, has lifted up his heel. That is, has acted like a traitor toward me. Friend, let me ask you this question. If you're given the foreknowledge that you're getting ready to die, and you decided that you were going to have one last meal before you die, who would you invite? Those family members that are closest to you? A, a real close friend? Those that you dearly love? It'd probably be those. Those that you love and adore. And so I don't think that Jesus was any different from us. I, I think that here in, in sharing his last meal with his disciples, I believe it was incredibly intimate. Very, very personal, this dinner that they were sharing together. And at this very intimate and very personal dinner, at this very moment, Judas has the blood money in his pocket and murder in his heart. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being invited to someone's last dinner and you got blood money in your pocket and murder in your heart? I've heard many people say over the years, well, without Judas, 
Jesus would have never gone to the cross. Well, I got news for you. Jesus was going to the cross. Jesus was going to the cross. It was only predicted. It was predicted that Judas would be the one. But listen, I don't let Judas off the hook. Did you notice there in verse 24? We see a good combination of divine sovereignty and human responsibility. They're both at play there. Let's look again. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it's written of him. That's God's sovereignty, right? It's going to happen just like God wrote it. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for him if he wasn't even born. My, my, my. Listen carefully, friends. Judas chose to betray Jesus. Judas chose to leave that upper room because he had been revealed as a betrayer. And shortly after he left, Jesus then instituted the Lord's Supper. In the Lord's Supper, we know that Jesus fulfilled the old while introducing the new. Praise God for that. Centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years, the Passover meal pointed forward to the day when Jesus would come, when the Messiah would come for the nation of Israel. While the Lord's Supper points back to what Jesus did for us on the cross. My friends, every time that we break this bread, every time that we drink this cup, Brother Tim, we are reminded of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. We're reminded of his body that was broken and his blood that was shed on a criminal's cross. And listen, it's not just when we celebrate the Lord's Supper that we should do this. Every day of our lives, we ought to remember that we are saved entirely. Y'all hearing this? We are saved entirely by the blood of Christ and the body of Christ that was broken on that cross. Yes, Jesus Christ has given his life for every man, for every woman, and for every child who will ever live. But friend, listen, you and I by faith must receive that gift. We must receive what God offers through the Savior. And so... The day of the Lord's suffering was at hand. Jesus would then come into a garden called Gethsemane and he would pray. He would pray that his father would take away this cup of suffering, but God's plan was already set in motion. God was determined that he was going to save lost humankind. And so we observe the Lord's Supper to remember. To remember the precious gift 
that Jesus Christ gave to us to save us from ourselves. He gave his life. You know, the prophet Isaiah foretold that Jesus would give his body for us. In fact, tonight in the message this evening, I'm going to be talking at length about that, about the, the suffering of the cross. Isaiah said that the Savior would be wounded for our transgressions. He said that the Messiah would be bruised for our iniquities, that, that he would be beaten so that we might have peace with God. And he said, by his stripes, we are healed. So as the deacons have distributed this bread, I call you to remember today. I call you to etch it into your memories today that Jesus gave his body to save us from sin. That the body of Christ bore the sin penalty for you. Brother Harold, would you mind coming and giving thanks for the body of Christ? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, Lord, with thankful hearts, just thanking you for your many blessings, Lord, that you bestow on us each day, Lord. We pray this morning as we partake of this bread that you just bless it to the nourishment of our body, yes. Lord. Uh, it's symbolic, Lord, of the broken uh, body of Christ, Lord. We realize, Heavenly Father, what you did on the cross for us, Lord. We just ask you to bless it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Brother Harold. You heard Matthew writing, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said,
as the deacons now distribute the cup. I want to remind you of Ephesians 1.7. Ephesians 1.7, the Bible says that in him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the grace of God. Friends, I call you today to remember. I call you today to meditate, to consider, to ponder, and to etch into your memory the gift of God in this cup. This cup symbolizes the blood that Jesus shed to cleanse you from all, say all, from all your sins.
Cheryl. Before we drink this cup, Brother Howe is going to come and give thanks. God, we thank you for your blood. For without your blood, there is no remission of sin. Hmm. God, we just thank you for what you've done for us. God, you didn't have to. But you did it for us to give us life and give it to us, give us life more abundantly. God, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Matthew writes, then Jesus took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So here, in the closing hours of Jesus' life, just before he submitted to the brutal and bloody death of the cross, Jesus gathered with those whom he loved. And what did they do? Verse 30 says... They sung a hymn of praise to God. Imagine that. Singing a praise of a hymn, or sing a, a song of hymn, a song of praise for the death, the coming death of Jesus. So we've read and we've even demonstrated the setting and stages of the Lord's Last Supper. But I want you to notice before we go home what happened after supper. Because after supper, they scatter. Look in verse 31. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go to you, go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So in the closing scene, Jesus predicted that all, say all, that all the disciples would forsake him. And he repeated a prophecy that came from the book of Zechariah. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. And when Peter denied that he would forsake the Lord, Jesus said, not only will you forsake me, but you'll deny that you even know me three times before morning. Friends, listen. Please hear this. We never arrive to a point of spirituality, on this side of heaven that is, where we are beyond the possibility of failing Jesus. Peter was among those who was closest to him. So what do we do? The only advice I can offer you this morning 
is get just as close to Jesus as you can and stay there. Daily thank him. Daily study his word. Daily pray that he'll provide strength so that you'll stay faithful in this perverse and corrupted world. Friends like me, have you been feeling a little like Peter lately? Have you had times when you've been feeling like all these disciples have? Maybe you haven't come right out and said it. Maybe you haven't denied Jesus with your words, but if you're honest, your actions, in essence, have denied that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Can I ask you, are you blending? Are you blending with the world that we live in? Is it becoming increasingly difficult for the world to know who you belong to? Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Don't deny Jesus like Peter did. Deny himself. Take up his cross daily. And follow me. Now what in the world does that mean? That means if anyone wants to be a true follower of Christ. Then they must be willing on a daily basis. To renounce any so called right you got to your life's direction. You must be willing to recognize the lordship of Jesus in every area of your life. Then you can start coming after Jesus. Friend, that includes your habits. That includes your time. That includes your language. That includes your relationships. That includes your money. That includes your worship. It includes every area. Every area of your life being under the lordship of Jesus. Have you counted the cost of that lately? When Jesus died for you, he counted the cost. And he found you worth it. He found you question that remains is Jesus worth it to you this altar will be available to you to do one of two things either submit your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ and by faith gift that he gave of his body and his blood or you can resubmit resubmit those areas of your life that if you're honest 
incredible demonstration and reminder of the most incredible gift ever given. When Jesus gave his body and shed his blood, by faith we are able to spend eternity with you. Lord, it was something that we could not do on our own. We were hopeless. Now, Lord, I pray that there is one that needs to fall and submit.